Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yo, what's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, April 17th, and this is Thinking Outside the Boombox, the final season. Only five episodes remain uh, before the podcast is coming to an end, and I am very excited for what I have in store for you. In the Dig Deeper segment this week, I've got my homie Brian here. And we are going to begin our Real Rhythm series. It's a five-part series where we explore the history of hip-hop in movies. Um, so every episode, we'll, have a, uh, well, we'll discuss a different aspect of hip-hop in movies. And so we're very excited about that. Um, this is the inaugural episode. We're going to discuss the best original hip-hop song made for a movie in the Dig Deeper segment. So at this point, you all already know the drill. The song of the week and the press play segment where I keep you up to date on the hip hop and R&B news will be featured in the podcast newsletter. So we have a lot to talk about um, in the Dig Deeper segment and we want to jump right into it. So I will feature all of the links to everything that you need in the podcast newsletter. If you go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com, you can put your email address in on the homepage um, and you'll get um, the, a copy of the newsletter in your inbox every time there's an episode, or you can just go to the newsletter tab at thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com and uh, all of the newsletters are featured there. So sign up for the mailing list. Make sure you can stay up to date on all the hip hop and R&B news. Check out the links and the albums and the songs there. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Um, let's bring Brian on, take a short break, and we'll jump right into the Dig Deeper segment.
Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boom Box. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, today is the start of a new series in the studio. Uh, I have my good friend Brian, co-host of What's in the Box Office. Hello, Brian. Hey, hey. Uh, And we are embarking on a new five-episode series called Real Rhythm, where we explore the history of hip-hop in movies. Uh, Brian and his co-host Noah host a great podcast called What's in the Box Office. Obviously, you are listening to Thinking Outside the Boombox. And so we were searching for a nice way to collaborate um, since our Get In Willie With It series, our patented, uh, very successful Get In Willie With It series. You all won't believe how many messages we get about you know how that series has changed people's lives we really should have had a discussion about reconvening for a special edition yeah a, yeah. a few weeks ago yeah we re- yeah. really should have um, <laughs> maybe maybe it can still happen it's not too late yeah um and so we 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 settled on um real rhythm because you know for me personally um i feel like hearing music in in different movies that I was watching for the first time, um, I feel like I have a, like a special set of memories of hearing like certain songs for the first time in a movie. This isn't hip hop, but I can specifically remember this Janet Jackson song called "Doesn't Really Matter" um, that I will always remember because I heard it in the Nutty Professors Two soundtrack, <laughs> <laughs> or not even the soundtrack, like the ending credits of Nutty Professor Two. And that song will always, I, I cannot like not picture Eddie Murphy in a fat suit when I hear that song, because that's just, they're connected. <laughs> oh boy! Um, and so like hearing and discovering a hip hop song in a movie has always been fun to me. And now that hip hop songs are in most major movies, it's kind of cool to hear songs that you recognize in movies and see how they are used. Um, what about you, Brian? What, uh, what interested you in the merging of these two mediums? Um, well, I mean, movies are my life. It's what I'm here for. And, uh, uh, hip hop is my favorite genre of music. And so, yeah, it's definitely rooted to like middle school and listening to the radio and hearing songs and then hearing them in another medium, or as we'll talk about in this episode, them specifically connected to another medium. But yeah, it's, you know, when I listen to music, be it hip hop or otherwise, I will, ever since I was a kid, I will make movie scenes in my head or movie trailers. Mm. I love the connection between scenes and sounds and, and when would be a cool time to cut to this or when to put the credits onto this. And so, yeah. And I mean, now probably since the mid two thousands, hip hop in, in movies, especially it's a great way to open a movie. Um, it's a great title sequence knocked up doing shimmy shimmy. Ya is a (laughs) terrific title sequence and it gets you excited. And you know, uh, neighbors one ends with good day Mm -hmm. by, uh, by, um, by, by the nappy roots. And so I, (laughs) it makes you feel like you're in good hands when you hear a good song in a movie, you're like, okay, this movie knows what it's doing. Um, I vibe with whoever's making this. And so I'm going to have a good time. So it's reassuring. And it certainly adds to a movie as it does with all, most of these uh, that we're going to talk about. That's awesome. Um, and it's real with uh, R E E L. That's the <laughs> yes, pun. yes, that's real the pun. <laughs> like a reel of film. 
Um, and so, like I mentioned, this is going to be a five episode series. Each episode is going to explore a different aspect of hip hop and movies kind of merging. And so for part one, we are going to be discussing the best original hip hop songs that were made for movies. Um, we thought this was a, a really good way to start things off because a lot of you will probably recognize a lot of these songs a lot of you probably recognize like when you heard these songs in the movies they are associated with um so we're we're excited some of them some of them are surprising like a lot of these (laughs) i didn't know were made or sold to this movie as its single you know so that's that's also a fun thing where you're like wait i don't even know what that movie is Mm -hmm. that's where ghetto superstar came from (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's uh yeah we'll get into that one (laughs) so we're gonna start things off uh with the 1989 film do the right thing uh by spike lee um and the song that uh was made for this movie was fight the power by public enemy so brian i know you wanted to talk about the movie before we get into yes so it was a good place to start because as we looked through kind of the history it's one of the earlier films to really utilize um, hip hop as we know it. Um, we'll talk about at least one of the earlier ones in a later episode, but it's also the first time that it was a monumental song with a monumental movie. The other ones were movies that, you know, are not in the, the, the consciousness. Um, yeah, do the right thing was released June 30th, 1989, obviously written and directed by Spike Lee. He was 31 years old, which, makes me feel like shit um <laughs> damn it, it was it was his third feature his first was she's got to have it in 86 which was not a box office hit but it was pretty profitable um that had decent reviews it won the first independent spirit award for best first feature and was chosen in 2019 for preservation in the uh national film registry by the library of congress which is a really cool thing that um the Library of Congress does where they take films 10 years after they're you're eligible 10 years after you're released films that are culturally relevant or significant and they preserve them because a lot of old films, I think like 90% of films made before 1920 are now gone forever mm. because nobody like held onto the reels and film deteriorates over time. So unless they're kept and cleaned and protected, they will evaporate and be gone. So it's a really wow. cool thing. And it's, it's a really high honor to have uh, a movie. Spike has two, uh, maybe, maybe three um, in there. And then his second movie was school days, which came out in 88 that had mixed reviews and was not a hit, but this was an enormous hit. It premiered at con. It was received. It received mostly critical acclaim. Uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, named the, f- uh, the film as their favorite of 1989. And at the end of the 80s decade, which was probably the next year, well, probably, it definitely was, it was, their, <laughs> it was Siskel's sixth and Ebert's fourth best film of the entire decade. Wow. Uh, it was a lightning rod of controversy upon release, with some uh, pundits worried the film would cause black audiences to riot, questioning whether the film was anti-white or misogynistic or sending the wrong message. Nominated for two Oscars, Best Supporting Actor for Danny Aiello and Best screenplay for spike lee um there was a negative backlash by critics and audiences to the lack of other deserving nominations namely best picture and director Mm. categories that year and then as far as the film's legacy it's considered one of the best films of all time it's my favorite film of the 80s um it currently has a 93 on rotten tomatoes and a stunning 93 on metacritic and just to quickly explain the difference rotten tomatoes 
gives you a percentage of critics that would just recommend the movie, whereas a score. So 93 isn't, it's 93 out of 100 in quality. It's 93 critics would say, yes, see it. Whereas Metacritic takes a smaller sample of critics but gives you a rating. So 93 out of 100, which is very hard to achieve. In 2015, I didn't. I don't know if you know this. Air Jordan released a Radio Rahim sneaker. What? Even though he does not wear Jordans in the movie, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I found that to be a fun tidbit. Um, the film. Uh, this is the film the Obama saw on their first date. Which, like, mm. I mean, what a conversation to have. I mean, that's a little heavy to for like a first like. Yeah. So, what was your favorite color? Um, where did you go to school? Do you think that that he did the right thing? Let's really discuss it. Uh, in 2017, the American 2007, the American Film Institute ranked it as the 96th best American film ever made, and they also ranked "Fight the Power" as the 40th best song in cinema. And in 1999, ten years after it was released, it was added to the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Wow! Yeah, it's a good movie. I uh, I rewatched it. Uh, it was either this week or maybe late last week, um, and just had a great time. Put it on. <laughs> I think it was either after work or maybe maybe it was during work. I don't know. I yeah. usually when I'm working from home, I just throw a movie on. Um, and it was just a, a really fun movie. I had there were like scenes I haven't seen it in a while, and there were scenes mm-hmm. in it that um, I like didn't really remember. Um, always a joy to see, um, wow, I'm blanking on her name now. Rosie Perez. Yes. So see Rosie Perez's opening credits. Oh, it's so <laughs> Like the dance just goes on for so much longer than I remembered it going on for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just great the whole time. And of course she's dancing to fight the power. Um, it's like a yeah. good segue. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't watch it for this week. I'll watch it for... One of the other ones. I have it on Criterion, and I've watched it last year or mm-hmm. 2020 at some point. So I've seen it recently as well. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, so Fight the Power uh, is a song by Public Enemy. Um, Spike Lee specifically requested that Public Enemy make a song to kind of be a motif or a leading theme for the movie. Um, just to give you some context as to where Public Enemy was like in the culture and how people felt about them. They had just released their second album. Uh, it was called It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. This was an album that saw Public Enemy step into their sound. They were beginning to use their voices as social commentary for the era that they lived in. And Fight the Power really fit right in with their combative messaging And it kind of became an anthem for young black people struggling with racism in the late eighties. Um, a theme that, you know, was very prevalent in the movie and it was a perfect theme song for do the right thing. I think I, I love how much space in the movie, the song is given to breathe. Like, like it's very clear that it's the theme for the movie. Like you can, like anytime radio Raheem shows up, (laughs) it's the song that's playing, um, it's given that long dance sequence in the the opening credits. Um, and the song would inevitably become bigger than the movie. It's Public Enemy's most recognized song. Rolling Stone recently, I think this was in their 2021 list, ranked it as the second best song of all time. Um, Spike Lee wanted it to be defiant, angry. He wanted it to have some rhythm. 
and they delivered. They crafted a theme that was likely very easy for them to create, considering the nation's affinity for racism at the time. Um, and personally, I don't know if I've heard an original hip hop song that connected with a movie's theme as well as this one. And we can talk a little bit more about that um, at the end. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the history of the song. They recently celebrated the song at the 2020 BT Awards. They did a remix. Uh, Public Enemy was a part of it. Rhapsody, Black Thought, Questlove kind of like DJed it. Um, so it was a nice, cool, like, like tribute uh, to the song, especially because <laughs> not, not a lot of things had changed um, in society um, in 2020 compared to when this song came out. So the themes behind mean? the messaging, <laughs> the themes behind the messaging were, um, still very prevalent. Um, so yeah. I also love that Spike, um, shows multiple ways in the movie to quote, fight the power. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not just the ending, right? It's, uh-huh. it's the, the, it's like, it's things the radio DJ does. It's the kids playing in the street and just having like running a muck there, but it's just the idea that, you know, um, bed is like this wholesome place. that's kind of has this like pushing mm-hmm. energy behind it. But the idea of fight the power in that movie does come to a head at the end, but throughout it, it's shown that there's like, the way to really fight the power is just to live like a, just a, you the best life you can, which is what yeah. most of those people are doing. So uh, yeah, it's, it's an angry song, but throughout the movie, especially with, with spikes, like signature little, um, very calming jazz scores that, that yeah. he does. Um, it's really a nice musical contrast to the song. Yeah. And one thing I forgot to mention about the, like the movie itself I feel like this was probably the earliest, maybe the earliest movie that I can remember that kind of set, like there's like a specific setting for like 80s and 90s New York that like, and like kind of New York in general that even like current movies kind of like show as their setting. And I feel like that energy and that vibe that like just the setting of this movie kind of like brought forth is something that has been replicated in so many movies like since then, like even like in the Heights most recently, like even though it's different parts of the city, like the energy and the vibe that both of these movies are kind of like pushing are very similar. Right. Well, it's like, it's the idea of this kind of universal community where people Mm -hmm. know, people know each other's kids and they, everyone kind of looks out for each other. And then the, the look of it, as you said, yeah, it's, well, it doesn't, it also, both movies take place during the summer, during the hottest day of the year. Yeah. Yeah, true. And so everything is sun soaked and like orange and Mm -hmm. red and yellow. Whereas a lot of times, um, New York is seen as like blue or gray in movies and TV shows. So Mm -hmm. that's also Spike Lee's signature, that kind of really turning the color up and making very vibrant. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's very good. That, it's interesting you said that it was the song is bigger than the movie, and that could certainly be true. But it's a it's quite a, a testament to the song because it is Spike Lee's like pinnacle. It was so early in his career, but it is like yeah. the movie that he'll be most known for, um, and he's one of our most prominent directors. So um, just like a behemoth of a song and a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we will be. 
we what we will be doing at the end of this is ranking uh, what we believe to be our top five uh, best hip hop, uh, best original hip hop songs that were made for movies. Mm-hmm. So keep this in mind, listeners, um, because we're going to be running through a few more songs. Um, and and let us know in the on our on our Twitter on our Instagram. Yes, please. Um, if you if there are any is there if there's any songs that we leave out, any songs that you connect with that you thought were great songs that connect with the movie, let us know. Wow, Wild me. West fans, I hear you, <laughs> and I am on your side. <laughs> yes, of course we cannot forget uh, Wild Wild West and how I great mean, that movie was. <laughs> No, but the song talk about a song being b- bigger than the movie. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we're not talking about that. <laughs> um, do we have anything for anything else for do the right thing before we move no, on? No, it's uh, it's it's a pinnacle of of cinema, and so it's right that it's also such a touchstone and like the first huge example of mm-hmm. um, hip hop in movies. It, they it just fits so well together. Agreed. Um, so now we're going to move five years down the line uh, to talk about a movie called Above the Rim, which actually has two songs um, that we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, one that got added last minute and one that is uh, much more popular in hip hop culture. Uh, that came out March 25th, 1994. It was the last film released um of Tupac's before he died. He had filmed a couple, he had a couple in the can as they say, mm. but this was the last one that he was able to see. And, uh, it earned mixed reviews. It didn't fare too well at the box office. I just watched it. Today was my first time watching it. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I liked it for the most part. I liked most of it. I, there were a few too many cliches in it. Yes. Um, and the dialogue isn't great at times, but I really loved the camaraderie between the players. I thought their relationships were really well drawn. And um, and what was his name? Dwayne Martin? Is Dwayne that Martin. The main guy? Yeah, yeah. From, from Scream 2, which is where I saw him. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's very good. And, and Tupac's very good. We can talk about this in a later episode, but Tupac mm-hmm. is a very... And, Sorry about him compared to someone else whose movie is on this list that we're going to talk about this episode. But Tupac has major screen presence. He's very natural on screen as opposed to somebody else we'll talk about. But uh-huh. yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I, I thought that the opening <laughs> – did you watch it again for this? Yeah, you said you yeah, watched it. Yeah, I watched it, right? it uh, this week. All right. So that opening scene is absolutely nuts. And I couldn't handle it. And I thought I, – my first initial thought was that's a dream because that couldn't – that's not going to happen in this movie. Where, uh, uh, what's his name? Shep. Shep is playing. Shep, yeah. Shep's playing basketball with somebody, and he he says, "I can touch the the backboard higher than you." To his friend, <laughs> and his friend wants to do it and hits it so hard that it breaks, and he falls. There's a giant window in front, of him, but he doesn't fall out the window because there's no crashing sound. He just like falls off a roof, I guess. Which I didn't. They were playing inside. I don't know what happened. And then Shep wakes up covered in sweat. And I was like, oh, great. It was a dream. And then it turns out that was real. Yeah. And, and that is a such a bad scene. And then also oh my the, God. the character of Shep 
is so poorly drawn in the middle of the movie at the beginning and at the end i get it totally but he's just he's very quiet there's that scene in the restaurant uh-huh. where the waitress hits on him and he doesn't talk and then um the guy's mom shows up and says his name like four times and he's just like staring off and then she taps on the shoulder and goes huh he's just so in his head and then they go on one date we don't even see the date uh-huh. Really, we see it from far away, and then when they cut back to the next time we see him, he's singing the theme from Shaft and like joking around. And I'm like, this is not the man we saw oh my God. earlier in this movie. There's, we needed a scene of him opening up, yeah, to her before just cutting to he's a big goofball. They're having a great time, and then of course the ending, spoiler alert, with the diving in front of the bullet is just so insane. Um, this that movie whole thing is so weird. <laughs> I so like to go back to your to your point about the the opening scene. I didn't even realize they were playing on a roof until I, there's a big window. Isn't there a window? I'm so, gonna, until he I'm just gonna, like crashes gonna, off the side of the high rise or whatever. And like, what? How do you smack the backboard so hard that breaks, it just it's breaks so hard? And I was gonna chalk it up to like, oh, it's a dream sequence, and it's like so '90s that that's happening. But then I'm, I'm literally, it's on Tubi. I'm going to watch the beginning when we talk. So I need to know whether it's on a roof. I thought yeah. it was inside and then there's no smash to the window. And also that basketball game at the end, like those, that was driving my basketball fan inside me nuts. Those dudes were running into them. And then you literally see ref going, there's no foul. Yeah, it was like, like, there's no foul. It was like, he just elbowed him in the face. Like, then, what are we talking about? Yeah, then then I need you to give me a scene of Tupac paying the refs. And again, I'm fine. I just need yeah. a scene to explain what's happening. Yeah. Um, we can't pretend thought, this is just okay, okay, uh, ref, refing from these <laughs> referees here. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely nuts. I'm going to watch this scene. But uh, yeah, you can go ahead and talk about the songs. Oh, wait, oh no. Okay, so they are. Turn the brightness up. It's so, it was also such a dark scene. Uh, <laughs> Okay, they, it looks like they are on a roof. Oh, and, okay. And the window that I saw behind them was like behind them, but you could see they're oh, playing. Oh, okay. I think they are playing on a roof. Wow. So the window I saw. The window I saw. No, no, that basketball court is in front of a window. Hold on, I'll find. <laughs> that is in front of a window. Oh, yep. How? So that how is, is that? That makes no sense. It it is on a roof because I do see lights, but they are in front of a window. I'm, I'll just watch this. You go ahead and talk about your song, and I will, and I will let you know what happens when you're done. But yeah, so listeners, above the rim, I I appreciate above the rim. It's a it's a cult classic. I think the basketball parts of the movie are very good. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Like very exciting. The energy is high, but there's just a lot of like plot and character development about the it's tough. about the movie that is is hard to watch. And then Dwayne Martin, Marlin- even though I love him. He overacts a lot in the movie. Oh, really? I thought he was pretty good. Marlon Wayne's shooting Tupac at the end was shocking to me. Everyone's getting shot. And then also just like him telling the guy from The Wire to just be like, well, you know what to do. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll just murder him in front of all these people. Yeah, for sure. This is is what I think happened. I think that window is across Uh the street. Oh. I think he's jumping over a small ledge. (laughs) And that window's across the street. <laughs> I mean, he just goes plummeting to his death. 
the, he smacks that board so hard it <laughs> breaks. Um, I also th- the issue with my bad the basketball scenes for me is that in movies when they have basketball players who are good, they're always uh-huh. so buff. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like the guy who's going to North Carolina is like jacked and huge, yeah. and I'm like the basketball players' bodies generally aren't built like that, especially in the '90s. They uh-huh. weren't built like that. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, the, yeah, the basketball scenes are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the two the two songs that uh, kind of appear on this soundtrack and both songs actually appear in the movie. The first one, uh, I'll start with Pain. So Pain is a song by Tupac. Um, the Above the Rim soundtrack in general was basically like a death row posse promotional album. It was executive produced by Suge Knight. Dr. Dre was a supervising producer. Um, and so in the conversation of Tupac's like best non album single, his best Lucy, you could say, I think pain will always rise to the top of that list. A lot of fans really connected with his deep lyrics, his passionate delivery. Um, this song wasn't on the original soundtrack and it got added as a bonus track due to the fact that it almost didn't even make the film. Dr. Dre. But it initially, also like, it also opens the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so uh, I think they, unless- Unless the soundtrack came out way before the movie, it's weird to be like, okay, we'll, we'll also put this one on. It's the beginning of the movie. It's the first thing you hear. Yeah, and I think a lot of the – like some of the producers and engineers had to like convince Dre to like put it in the movie. And so he was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll add it first then. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess maybe it didn't take that much convincing. He opened the movie with it. Right. Um, but – so yeah, it appears in the opening credits uh, leading into the opening scene – it also, it also, it seems that they almost use it as a motif between uh, Tupac's character and Sh- and Shep's uh, and Shep's character, who I think that actor's name he just goes by Leon. Yes, um, that's correct. And so it was almost like a motif between them because they were brothers. But the this song is like uh, one of Tupac's most well loved songs. You know that wasn't on his albums. Um, it's been remixed and like the beat has been reused so many times by so many like artists j cole popularly used it on friday night lights um so i had to feature it here in this conversation um and then there's regulate uh probably one of my favorite songs ever by warren g and nate dog um they have a measurable chemistry. It's on full display here. And this song gives each of them the opportunity to shine and do what they do best. Warren G being an incredible storyteller. Nate Dogg having those silky vocals. Um, it was the lead single from the soundtrack. It's featured in the ending scene into the credits. Um, I think the song got a lot of a lot of help and popularity because it samples a Michael McDonald song called I Keep Forgetting, which was popular in its own right in the 80s. Uh, I think it reached number four on the Hot 100. And so Regulate heavily samples that melody. So I feel like it helped kind of acclimate listeners with the song more quickly. Uh, It was a breakout single for both Warren G and Nate Dogg. Warren G used it on his album a couple months later. Um, And this was the first official song um, from either of them. Like you'd either only heard of Warren G and Nate Dogg in like cameo appearances, maybe a couple, or you hadn't heard of them at all. So this was kind of their breakout single uh it took g-funk's popularity to an even bigger level becoming one of g-funk's most popular songs it was nominated for best movie song at the mtv music awards in 95 um 
Have huge. you ever heard of this? What'd you say? Huge. <laughs> That's huge. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I did realize that the MTV Movie Awards, which I watched every year when I was a kid. Okay. Um, you know, they, they're very honed in, especially back then, of what is good and popular. And so uh-huh. more so than the Oscars. So certainly. Sure, sure. What were you yeah. going to say? <laughs> um, have you ever heard of this series called Yacht Rock? I had never heard of this before I did the research for this. No. It's a show? Yeah, it's a, it's a show that wasn't – it doesn't seem like it was on TV. It seems like maybe it was on like an internet channel or something like that. Oh, okay. But apparently it was kind of popular. And it was like a show about uh, rock artists from the 80s and maybe a little bit later. And they kind of made semi-fictional tales about their lives and like creating songs. And so there was apparently an episode with Michael McDonald and somebody else, another rock artist, (laughs) where um, they get like kidnapped or something by... Um, Warren G and Nate Dogg and that's it's it's kind of like a fictional telling of how uh, Regulate uh, kind of uses the the uh, Michael McDonald song and so I didn't watch the episode but I bookmarked it because I was like this seems like it would be kind of interesting but apparently that was also very popular and I'm sure that <laughs> helped Regulate become even more popular did, did you say it won the MTV Movie Awards for best uh, song? No, just nominated I think yeah, oh, just yeah. Still, yeah, it lost to Big Empty by Stone Temple Pilots for the Chrome. Looking at what else was nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, you know what's interesting about Regulate is it's. I don't know how much it has to do with the movie. No, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really connect theme wise. <laughs> but it's very good, and I think that's going to carry a lot of these songs we're going to be talking about. But that's also an interesting part of it is that like I don't like when they have original songs that just have nothing to do with the movie it just yeah. feels it feels just like a, a business deal made outside of the interest of the film i mean uh-huh. aside from aside from commercial prospects because if you have a hit film especially in the 90s if you're selling soundtracks the movie's probably doing well yeah um most of the time so uh yeah it's you know it's tough because it's a great song but like when you hear it, you're you're just like oh this I don't this has nothing to do with what I was watching it's just <laughs> yeah it's just a nice song to walk out of the theater to uh-huh. um, exactly and then uh, pain I had not heard before I thought that was really good I thought they did a good job there again not a whole lot to do with what's going on, <laughs> on the screen. yeah I mean I guess there was uh, I guess there was pain but uh, not specifically the pain yeah yeah I mean that, that guy's hand probably hurt from breaking <laughs> that backboard before he fell to his death. Um, <laughs> That's probably what he was thinking, which is, ow. But yeah, I mean, two really good songs and a movie in between them, really, literally. Mm -hmm. One opens a movie and ones it that has nothing to do with either. That's just uh, pretty decent. So that is, it is interesting, especially as an example of a movie, of a song that has truly outlived its movie. Oh, yeah. Which again, we'll have, we'll have plenty of here. Yeah. And I'm sure, uh, it was pretty hard to tell Suge Knight uh, and company uh, <laughs> given them uh, much critique back then. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably led to a lot of these decisions being made. Yeah. You might want to go to, to Dr. Dre <laughs> as a supervisor. He might, he might be a little more <laughs> for sure <laughs> friendly. <laughs> um, all right. So next up is dangerous minds from 1995. Yes. This came out August 11th, 1995. 
Uh, it had mixed the negative reviews. It's Rotten Tomatoes consensus ends with, and you'll like this, Dangerous Minds is too bland to see that the ones it hurts are the audience, <laughs> which is like the song <laughs> that I really enjoyed. It was a surprise box office hit. It made a lot of oh. money. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, who isn't really a big name, but this is coming two years after Batman Return, three years after Batman Returns, so I don't know. But Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. It, it, it connected with a bunch of people because it was um, a big hit. I watched it for the first time today. Had, did you watch this or no? I watched it for the first time this week. Okay, great. What did you think of it? I thought it was okay. Um, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was fine. I really enjoyed most of the, the kids' performances. Um, but it, it really felt like a less compelling version of other movies I've seen already, like Lean on Me or... Or, I mean, yeah, it's exactly the same. As yeah, those, for sure. Yeah, it, you know, it, also it, a little <laughs> kind of not believable that she was going to win these kids over with like poetry and Bob Dylan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so than, here's here, here's what. I, so it's based on a true story, right? Oh, yeah. It's and uh, and Roger Ebert wrote uh, in his review that the real Miss Johnson used. He says, use not Dylan, but the lyrics, the lyrics of rap songs to get the class interested in poetry. That makes more so, sense. <laughs> I know. So the movie changes it that she's like, let's all sit down and read Mr. Tambourine Man. And they're like, Mr. Tambourine Man's about drugs. I obviously do those because that's how I'm written in the movie. I get it. I thought that was absolutely insane. I thought she was pretty good. I have so many little things with this movie that I want to talk about. Her friend. Uh-huh who is coughing as if he's dying the first 20 minutes of the movie. And do you notice how much he was coughing? Yeah. And he was sucking down cigarettes. I was like, oh, he's, he's going to get cancer in the movie and die. Nope, no mention of it. Nope. He's gone halfway through the movie. We never see him again. Courtney B. Vance is the principal yes. who just goes, it, <laughs> Emilio must have busted into that office and said, I'm in real trouble. And the guy went, get out. He never raised his voice in the movie, so I just imagine him going, nope, yep. did not knock, did not knock. please leave. <laughs> that was... Emilio then, was immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> he was killed. <laughs> and Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer knew it, and she was like, just because he didn't knock. And then he says, she says to that woman, just because he... Um, just because he didn't knock. And the woman goes, that's not fair. And Michelle Pfeiffer goes, what is? Also... The, the 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 pregnant student who's a genius, and then it turns out that the guidance counselor, whatever, is the vice principal, is just like getting them out of school, and she says it's because um, pre- uh, pregnancy because she's she she thinks that it will make the other students envious. She yeah. has a line where she's like, "Pregnancy is is contagious." contagious yeah. As if another 16-year-old is going to go, that looks like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I want to be pregnant. <laughs> she's that having looks, a great time. She, she's the queen of the world right now over there. <laughs> that was wild to me. Yeah. I thought that um, you know, her like taking them to dinner was weird. Yeah, that was – I. Know. yeah, so she, she like as a reward for like getting something right in class, she was going to take the three students out to dinner. Two of them didn't show up. So it was just her and this, uh, and this young kid. And at that yeah. point I'm like, you got to go somewhere else. You can't just yeah. sit down at a fancy Italian restaurant with this child. <laughs> and the idea of like, first of all, Emilio was 28 when he made the movie. 
and oh. he looks tw- and he looks twenty eight. Yeah. And so at the beginning, when he's like flirting and he's going like you know saying gross things, where I was like, yeah, I think you guys should get together. Like you both are adults. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem weird. Michelle Pfeiffer's like thirty five. You're twenty eight. Oh, Go for yeah, it. Yeah, um, <laughs> my main issue with, with well, I, it's not really an issue because like whatever, but. She's not with them all day. They have other teachers mm-hmm. and she has other classes. So for, first of all, her plan of like, I'm going to give the kids candy, giant candy bars uh-huh. for doing their work. I'm going to take them and pay for them to go to an amusement park yep. all day for their work. I'm going to take them to fancy restaurants. You don't have the capital to, to sustain this for this class for the entire year. What happens in two weeks? There, there, there's literally a line where they go like, what do we get if we win? And she's like, learning is the prize. Like, yeah, eventually you can't give them something. And they're yeah. going to be like, well, now I've been, you know, it's like, it's like tra- training something. It's like, well, I've been so accustomed to getting a reward. Yeah. You know, so, and also you have all these other classes. So the movie is supposing that you're doing this for every class, or is this just the one class that's succeeding? Right. And the other classes are just you're, you're it's not going as well. <laughs> um, no, and it also ends so abruptly. Emilio gets shot, and she's like, "Well, I'm out of here. Yeah, I can't Good teach luck. anymore. <laughs> I'm not gonna be here for you. I don't." It really was like a thing of like, "Oh, do you not care about us after this? You're just it's really selfish to be like that." Hurt me. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, and she leaves. That ended so quickly. And the movie was wild. It was very funny. It was fun to watch. Yeah. It was, it was Gangsta- definitely a fun watch. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Song's great, though. Yes. So Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio um, is the song that was made for this movie. Um, this song was the biggest selling single in 1995. Wow. He won Coolio a Grammy for best rap solo performance. He beat out Dr. Dre. Tupac and Biggie to get that Grammy. Um, it was also nominated for record of the year at the Grammys. Only the second rap song to ever be nominated behind you can't touch this by MC hammer. It's gone triple platinum. It's Coolio's most popular song. It's definitely a song that grew its own legs succeeded outside of the movie. Uh, it's in the opening credits. Uh, it was an intro song to the movie. And the, the, it's also played briefly once more. Yeah, yeah, and in the end credits, so like it was very clear yeah. they were like, "This is the movie's song." Yeah. <laughs> it was like, "This is it." By <laughs> the way, this goes to my point as to why I love this. It's a great song to start a movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a great song to start a movie. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I think this movie has a has a strong chance to make uh, the top fives toward the end of the, the end of the yeah. episode. Uh, yeah, because also it does connect to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there was also like the music video they made for the movie features Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer Pfeiffer. and like, not even just like clips from the movie. Like they, they got Michelle Pfeiffer to just do a music video. Isn't it like her teaching Coolio? Yes. It's like her like sitting in a chair in a classroom. He's just like rapping in front of her. Yeah. It's really weird. And she's sitting like, I think she's sitting that cool way that teachers sit where she's sitting against the back of the chair. Yeah. So funny. So that was uh, Dangerous Minds in Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Yeah. Moving on to 1997's Men in Black, which we've talked about. uh, Yes, this will be very... This will be very brief. Uh, July 2nd <laughs> is when it came out, 1997. It was the ninth biggest film in history after it came out. Wow. It got good reviews, great buzz. It launched a franchise and solidified Will Smith's blockbuster uh, career. Yeah. 
And of course, the the song Men in Black was the lead single for the movie. Also, the lead single for Will's debut solo album, his first song without DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, the lyrics perfectly kind of encapsulate the themes of the movie. It's fun. It's charming. You can dance to it. It's a hit. Um, it didn't. Well, there's char- also there's a very specific dance to it. That, <laughs> that, that, that alien was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It didn't chart on the Hot 100, but it did reach number one in multiple countries. Will Smith got a Grammy for Best Rap Solo Performance. It was his third Grammy and his first uh, Grammy by himself. And it also helped propel his debut album to number eight on the Billboard 200. And of course, obviously, it won the Willie for Best Original Song in a Will uh, Smith movie. Of course movie. it did, you all know what that is. <laughs> From our Getting Willie With It series, it beat out yeah. uh, Black Suits Coming, Friend Like mm-hmm. Me from Aladdin, Shake Your Tail Feather, and Wild Wild West. That's right. Stiff competition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, and it's, it's, a, it's like a perfect next evolution to Fight the Power, where it's, it's the theme song to the movie. It fits the movie entirely, mm-hmm. and the next evolution of this kind of thing with rap in, in movies is the star is the one doing the rapping on a mega level. It's not like, you know, Tupac is the third lead right. in, in above the rim. Uh-huh. And, uh, I see is in new Jack city, but I don't think he's the lead. He might be. No, no, no it's, 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 it's Wesley Snipes. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, so this idea of it's, it's a blockbuster on a mega scale. It's a rapper turned actor and he's like the second build. He's on the poster. He's like right there. Um, it is. And it was everywhere. I'm surprised it didn't chart at all. That's yeah, really I, I was really surprised at that considering how popular it's really interesting the song is. Yeah. But it's a classic and yeah. I love it. And um, yeah, it's so fun. And it, it is just a great example of, uh, a tie-in that works both as a song and in the movie itself or for the movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so now we have 1998's belly. And then that's right. And then Will Smith became like the, well, I don't have any notes for Billy. I don't know why. Uh, Will Smith became the, uh, like the poster, the, the poster kid for this. Oh you know? yeah, for sure. And, um, um uh, spoiler alert, we have an upcoming episode um, about the best rappers turned actors. So we'll uh, we'll talk more about Will Smith and other actors in the future, too. Yeah, I think he's the only Oscar winner. Yeah, an, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, Belly, I don't uh, I don't know why I skipped over this entirely, but I don't take many notes for this episode. So I, <laughs> so it came out on uh, November 4th, 1998. It was. It didn't do well at the box office, it appears, and critically, it was poorly received by critics, although I think now um, that consensus has kind of changed. Mm. Um, I think, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with the critics where it was praised for its stylized noir-like visual style in the cinematography, and then criticized for the plot in general, which I think is also the weak part I of the I completely film, agree with that. <laughs> that there, there really isn't much of a plot, and uh, the... <laughs> You're kind of going, I don't, you're not leading me to anything and I don't really care if we get there, but it looks great. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a notable for, I don't think this was Nas's first film. Uh, it was hype. Hype Williams first time doing that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think Nas had probably been in maybe it was, it was DMX's first starring role. It was his first movie. 
Oh no, yeah, it was Nas's first movie too. It says, yeah. So there you go. That's also it's very significant. Uh, those yeah. are two guys at uh, at the top of their game, starring in a movie together. Yeah. And so, Belly is a movie that, like, in like black culture and hip hop culture, is like just like if people when people like talk about like what are some like some like black movies that are very popular or that you really like, Belly always comes up. And so it kind of was just like in my head of like, oh, yeah, Belly is like one of those good movies. And then I rewatched it. Not even I think I rewatched it like maybe a couple of years ago. And I was like, man, this movie is not good. Like, why? Why do we talk about this movie as if it's so great? I do like what Hype Williams did um, visually. But like Nas is not a good actor. <laughs> DMX was OK. Um, Method Man didn't like have enough in it to like really carry anything it's just it's it's not a great movie but it's one of those movies that will forever be considered good because so many people just like like to watch it (laughs) i mean do i think it might be because there's really nothing else (laughs) to to attach themselves to with it oh no there's just there's nothing else like it like there really hasn't been a movie since that that looks like this that looks like a a hour and a half music video yeah that's true and so the visual style is so unique that it probably does just pop up in people's minds mm-hmm. when they're talking about movies. Is that just like, oh yeah, because that the visuals are what you remember the most, and also just what you remember when you're recollecting things. So yeah, I, I can see why it popped up to people's top list. I also think that um, a lot of the people who would be saying that now were probably young when they watched it. Fair, yeah, and that's a really tricky thing about movies is. <laughs> When you rewatch something you loved when you were younger, it yeah. might not be good anymore. Um, so that might also be part of it. But yeah, it's not a strong film. It's it's visually there, but I think that it just needs a a better writer and a better script. I don't remember Nas being. There's just also too much voiceover, which always seems. Oh my like god! A big, yeah, it's always a big crutch for a movie to just like explain what's happening as opposed <laughs> to showing us through dialogue or characters. Yeah, but. Um, DMX is certainly better here than he is in something we'll talk about in a few minutes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so the the song connected to this movie uh, is Grand Finale. We're unsure whether it, you know, like actually appears in the movie. Um, but it was the lead single for the Belly soundtrack, which was released a week before the movie. Uh, it features the three rappers who would also star in the movie. DMX. Yeah. What did you say? I was going to say, do you think Ja Rule got cut out of the movie? <laughs> What's the deal? He's the. <laughs> I think he was probably just too new to the game to even have been considered okay. for this movie. <laughs> but you got to think that at one point he looked around that room and went, hang on a second. He's like, wait, all you all are in the movie? All you guys are in this. <laughs> or he's, he, he goes to Meth Man. He's like, it's cool about their movie, right? And he's like, what do you mean their movie? I'm in it too. He's like, what? He looks over to Hype, Hype Williams, who's there. He's like, oh, are you excited to see it? I directed it. What's going on? <laughs> he was like, did I miss the... Yeah, the, the sound engineer is like, I'm editing the movie. Everyone's, everyone in that booth has worked on it but him. <laughs> Poor Ja Rule. Although he would, he would end up being fine. Um, yeah, he's in the Fast and Furious. He's fine. <laughs> uh, so Grand Finale has DMX, who had released his incredible debut album, Is Dark and Hell is Hot, in May of that year. It's an album that was still in the top 25 when this movie was released. Uh, He was in the middle of an unparalleled run. He would release another album that year. Um, 
Nas was two years removed from his successful sophomore album, It Was Written. He was a year removed from the less successful album by hip-hop supergroup The Firm. Um, Method Man, who was a year removed from Wu-Tang's uber-successful sophomore album, Wu-Tang Forever. And he was a week or two removed from releasing the first single to his sophomore solo album, Takao 2000. Um, so needless to say, these were three of the biggest and most well-known rappers in the game in 1998. You put them on a song with newcomer Ja Rule, who became popular months earlier for a song we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and you had a huge song on your hands. And then they all proceeded to slay their verses, Ja Rule doing the hook. And I think this might be up there with some of the best like rapping of, of the songs on this list. Um the music video for this this song features scenes from the movie, so they were clearly really trying to connect this this song <laughs> to the movie. Um, and I really like the song. I hadn't, I don't think I had heard this song before um, doing the research for this, and I was like, oh, this is really good. DMX is rapping his ass off. Nas had a great verse. Method Man had a great verse. Ja Rule's singing like Ja Rule does. Um, but yeah. Other than that, that's about it. Yeah, you just would wish it would play during the grand finale of the movie, which I don't I mean, think it does. They really set it up for that, and then yeah, I don't, I don't know if because I was when I when I was searching through Belly before we started to see where it comes in. All I was, I was really just clicking like every two minutes. I'm like, it's the last twenty minutes. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah, right. And it just wasn't. I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, saying in 1998, we have Bullworth. Right. Bullworth. Okay, here we go. Release May 15th, 1998. Good reviews upon release. Uh, controversy in regards to how political it was, how completely left it was. Uh, whereas now the controversy probably lies. I don't think many people are talking about it, but if they saw it, they'd be talking about how it's uh, – the controversy is in how it's getting its message across, not the fact mm-hmm. that it's a very left film. It did not do well at the box office. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay Oscar. Wow. I watched this over – yeah. I watched this over quarantine uh, in 2020, maybe 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, you just saw this. Let's, let's get to you first. What did you think of Bullworth? <sighs> My goodness. So listeners, just for some context – yeah, this we should movie, tell them what it's about. <laughs> yeah, this movie is about a politician played by Warren Beatty. I believe Warren Beatty also like wrote this this film, this screenplay. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he co-wrote it with some people. I think he may have directed it too. No, oh wow! No. Uh, so Warren Beatty is a politician who is just no longer wants to be a politician. No longer even wants to be around. He's very like depressed, and he's just like you know what. And he's also in the middle of like a. A, a campaign i think to be reelected for like senator or something like that um he's like you know what i am going to take out a life insurance policy for millions of dollars in my daughter's name i believe yeah his daughter's name and i'm going to put a hit out on myself in the next few days so that you know she can be well taken care of and i can get out of here And then he's in the middle of his campaign. And so he proceeds to just not give a fuck about his campaign on the campaign trail. And so he, he goes to like a black community, a black church. And he was like, he basically decides to just keep it real. And he tells them like, yeah, no, like, uh, politicians don't give a fuck about the African-American community. And he like walks around, like, just like telling the honest truth about how like politicians and, 
the black community are received and becomes very popular with everybody. I mean, not the white people, but like with like African-American community, because he starts like fucking walking around rapping and he like goes to like a, a chicken restaurant. And he's just like, he's just like becoming one with the African-American community by like, just like being there. <laughs> and this movie is, <laughs> I, I like read the synopsis of this movie before watching it. And then I watched it and I still couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, this movie happened. Like we allowed this. <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's, it's so wild. Oh, I didn't even. So Halle Berry, a like 23 year old Halle Berry. What a twist, Berry, what a twist they throw interest. in there. <laughs> like, but also, oh, yes, the, the, twist. the twist the twist with Halle Berry. Yeah, so she, yeah, go ahead. So she, so he put out this this hit on himself. He doesn't actually know who is going to come and kill him, and it turns out like Halle Berry is just kind of around at all the events that he's at. He falls in love with her. They're hanging out. Because um, how? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out she is the assassin <laughs> that has been hired to kill yeah. him because she needs some money to help out her brother, um, who is in debt with a very stunning-looking bald Don Cheadle. Like my goodness, he Don Cheadle good, looked yeah. great in this movie. Yeah, he looks good. <laughs> um, and so yeah, at the end, she uh, when there's like a little twist when the person we think is the assassin turns out to just be paparazzi. Halle Berry takes out a gun and she's like, "Yeah, I'm the one that was gonna was supposed to put the hit out on you." Yeah. And then she just gives him the gun, and he like, "This is so stupid." He like falls asleep for like three days, <laughs> like after this happens, or maybe a day and a half or something. Anyway, this movie is <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Of course, he, Warren Beatty throws around some n bombs because, uh, of course. I mean, just and and and, and it and it's, it's it's treated like well, he's earned this. He's telling the truth. He might as well be a family member of ours. Oh my like, goodness! And the way that he does it too, where he's like, "Is that is, is that a problem?" Like, I don't understand. And right. he's um he 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 tries to cancel the hit too that's like kind oh, of the yeah. third act thing is that he's like i love my life now i could say the n word i'm dating halle berry like what's what's wrong with my life my goodness. so he tries to he tries to uh to cancel the hit the movie is full of and it's like that that's so cringy to me but the ra- the the idea i think the main my main issue with like how the movie is made uh-huh. is that the communities that he's in and the audiences he has respond well to his rapping. Yes. Like, like they like, like more so than like this old white man is nuts. Listen to him rap stupid, but like there's a little bit of that, but then they're like, okay, he's kind of good. It's like, what are you? And also like, I wish, I wish I could do some of the rap. I honestly don't remember it, but yeah, I don't remember cape, anything he was saying, but yeah, he but, was, he was he was rapping around like a he was he was rapping how like so, <laughs> pioneer rappers were rapping like in the seventies like he was rapping yeah. like old school seventies yeah. like rappers. well my name is Warren and yes. I'm here to say but it's like him coming up with it on the fly so he'll walk by being like you have a bag of Cheetos I think that's Nito and he'll yeah. just like walk around and they'll be like holy shit did you just come up with that it's like oh my god that scene where the best part of the movie. The best part of the movie, by the way, the scene where he's like in the baggy clothes walking in Compton. Yeah. But the best part of the movie is before that, where he's at Halle Berry's family's house and 
the moms come in and they're like, where'd he go? And he's like, he wanted to go get food. They're like, you let him leave. And they're all sitting on the couch. Like he's a grown man. Like, what do you want us to do? I thought that was really funny. (laughs) They're like, we're not in charge of him. We're not watching him. And let's not forget that that scene ends up with him running into a bunch of kids, like selling crack who are about to get like arrested by some racist police, arrested, possibly killed. And like (laughs) Warren Beatty just strolls up and like, there's like a sign in the back with his like senator face and they're like yo this is this is senator bullworth and then he yeah. makes the cops like apologize to the kids and the kids are like yeah. i've been waiting for this my whole life <laughs> the cops like apologizing yeah. to them yeah because that's the, the, that's what disenfranchised black communities are waiting for for cops to say i'm really sorry about <laughs> what i did i thought that the movie is so it's so it's 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 like such a 1998 movie uh-huh. where you watch it and you're like, boy, they they really thought they were like knocking this right out of the park. Like, yeah, they, they were, were like, gonna, oh, this we're social gonna, commentary. We're going to turn everything on its head. People aren't going to understand how real we're getting with this. And you watch it now and you're like, you would be laughed out of the building. Oh, my goodness. Yes. My guy. Like. <laughs> Even even if he did that kind of thing at like the whitest Republican country club, if he walked around going like we're having crab and that's so fab, they'd be like, get out of here. What are like, you get doing? Get the fuck out of here, dude. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. But great song. <laughs> yeah. So the song um, connected to this movie is Ghetto Superstar, um, which is ODB, uh, sorry, Old Dirty Bastard, um, Maya and Praz from uh, Fuji's and just, and I guess, I guess the song, I, the song kind of connects like at, at a face, face value. It kind of connects to, well, he is a ghetto superstar. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this song was also a song that became what it was by pure chance. So like, this is a funny story. Old dirty bastard stumbled into the wrong studio. Um, <laughs> That so like they were laying verses for this song and he was supposed to be I don't know what song he was supposed to be making but he just like stumbled into this studio saw what they were making and was like yo let me hop on that and that's how old dirty bastard ended up on this song his verse is great too I love how it comes in like in the middle of the other guy's verse and he yeah. breaks into those I think he does a great job this song is one of those songs that I. Same thing with Gangsta's Paradise that I knew so much through the radio when I was Uh-oh. like seven. When I this is this is I have a few songs that when I was seven I heard all the time on the radio and this is one of them. The lyric in this song, the verse that starts just when you thought it was safe in the commonplace, I would mm-hmm. just do that to myself occasionally <laughs> because the way he says that is so he's such a deep voice when he yeah, does it. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. Um, yeah, this song is such ingrained with my childhood. I really, really like this song. And it, it was very popular. It made it to number 15. It was a worldwide success. It was Praz's biggest hit. Um, it kind of popularized Maya at the time. She, yeah, she only had like one known song, I think at the time. So it was a, it was a really successful song, uh, um, in that regard. Uh, I also wanted to mention about Bullworth. The one thing that I did really enjoy about this movie was the entourage of black women that followed him around everywhere he yeah. went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when like he he showed up to like a black church or something for like an event, not the original black church. And I actually I think it was a white church and the choir yeah. was like they were like singing hymns. 
and this black entourage, they just like kind of like picked up some hymn books and were like singing along with them very loudly. That was probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that was Bullworth. <laughs> I that was Bullworth. I don't recommend that you all watch this movie, but oh, I think you I, I should. <laughs> I recommend if you watch this movie, first of all, contact us. We'll watch it with you. Yes. Second of all, <laughs> let's all get together and get drunk and watch Bullworth because it is. <laughs> oh, it'd be a, a perfect drinking fun. movie. Uh, yes. Abs, yeah. Every time he raps, you have to finish a beer. Yep. Like yep. you know, you have to drink for the amount of t- as long as he's rapping. Yep. I like that. Because he raps for so long when yeah. he does it. We can make anyway, this happen. We can make this happen. There, do you remember the one line that he, he – there's a there's a thing that he says and he repeats it like 17 times. He's like going down an escalator and he just keeps repeating the same thing. Keeps oh. repeating the same thing. Do you remember what that was? No? Oh, it's fine. Oh, no. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, it was like a, if, it was like a catchphrase almost. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find it. But uh, <laughs> we, we we can move on. I'll come back when I find um, it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So staying in 1998, uh, we've got Rush Hour. Yes, this is a huge uh, uh, thing here. So Rush Hour came out September 18th, 1998. It had decent reviews. It was a huge hit. It exceeded all expectations. It was the biggest September opening in history at the time. It launched a franchise and made household names. It's funny. I was only going to say household names out of Jackie Chan because he's the one who did movies after this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Chris Tucker, but the, but I mean, they both became household names. Just Jackie Chan used that to his advantage and made other movies. Yes, um, but it made huge stars out of its director, who's a piece of shit. We don't talk about him, and uh, and both of its stars is a big deal. Wow, I didn't actually realize that Chris Tucker only made two movies after Rush Hour Three, or yeah. like was in two movies after Rush Hour Three. That's yeah, he wild. he hasn't he he just sat with his money, which like fine, yeah, That's sure, prerogative, but yeah, wow. Um, so the song connected to this movie uh, is Can I Get a by Jay-Z, um, Ja Rule. Okay, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you for a second? Oh, yeah. I have part of his rap oh, on, on, okay. on, on, on IMDb, the quote page. So this is, so this is what he says. The, I'll do it as lame as possible, as if, I, <laughs> as, as if like I'm about to smash this. It's like, well, let me just tone it down from how good I'm going to do it. The rich, 
The rich is getting richer and richer and richer, while the middle class is getting more poor, making billions and billions and billions of bucks. Well, my friend, if you aren't, weren't already rich at the start, well, that situation just sucks. <laughs> Warm Beatty for you, folks. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, anyway, my God. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. So can I get a feature? It's by Jay-Z. It features Ja Rule and Emil. Uh, ja Rule and Emil were both kind of no names at the time. Uh, this introduced both of them to the world. Uh, this was the second single for the soundtrack for Rush Hour, released two weeks before the movie came out. It was also the lead single for Jay-Z's third album, Hard Knock Life, Volume 2. Um at that point in his career, this was Jay-Z's most successful song to date. And it was kind of the start of an incredible wow. run of success for Jay. Like before this song, like he had, he didn't really have like a big hit before this song. So this song kind of like started Jay-Z on the, on the course to have the that's, incredible career. That that's he had. so interesting. That's yeah. wild. Um, the soundtrack was a huge success. It was certified gold within a month, platinum within six months, peaked at number five. Um, this song appears in the car scene with uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. And I actually remember you you showing me the YouTube clip of this uh, maybe like a month ago um, of this scene. And I had a question. So, like, it's it's not really I couldn't find anywhere whether like Jay-Z had actually written this song for the movie. There was no indication of it. So, like, for songs to end up in movies like this, is it just like the music supervisor for a movie like has relationships with labels and they just ask for songs and Jay-Z I mean, gave them that, this? That would be my guess. I also, what's interesting is the soundtrack was put out as Def Jam's Rush Hour soundtrack. Mm, okay. So it was a collaboration from the studio um, and the record label to do a soundtrack as literally Def Jam's Russia, which usually is Got just, you. you know, Bullworth, the motion picture soundtrack. This literally says we're at Def Jam's Russia. Was Jay-Z part of Def Jam at that point? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's most likely why. But I would guess the method is um, you contact an uh, artist who's big at the time and you say, hey, do you have a song you want to give us for this movie? Here's what the movie's about. Um, it's similar to... Well, not similar to, but uh, yeah, it, I'm sure that's how it went. And since this was like a full collaboration with Def Jam as a way to also like they use Def Jam to promote Rush Hour soundtrack, which is not something that usually happens. Okay. Um, yeah. And it seemed to be a good collaboration between them. There's also a point where he says, I'm Jay Billington Bullworth and I've come to say. So he literally does say that. <laughs> he the does movie. the whole, that whole cadence. Yeah. He literally does do it. <laughs> But yeah, the song is interesting. Well, what clip did I show you a month ago? What clip? Oh, uh, the one where uh, where Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan are in the car, and this song comes on the radio. Yeah, I mean that's so. I watched this whole movie um, last week or something in preparation for this, and that is where the song plays. Where Jackie Chan, by the way, a horrendous slander of uh, the 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 Beach Boys. Those guys that that album's oh. great. That album's great. That it's a one of a kind album. But um, <laughs> ja- Jackie Chan puts on the radio to interrupt Chris Tucker, um, who has one of my favorite lines in them. I love the Rush Hour movies. I think two is my favorite still. Mm. But uh, he has a great line where he goes, <laughs> Jackie Chan says, "I'm here for the girl." Chris Tucker goes, uh, um, or no, Chris Tucker saying, "Nobody, lo- nobody wants you here. Nobody likes you." And Jackie Chan goes, "I'm here for the girl." And he goes, "The girl doesn't like you," <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Jackie Chan puts on the radio and then Chris Tucker does that whole thing where you can't touch a black man's radio and then puts on Can I Get a and does the very famous head bopping. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Jackie Chan then learns and they do in all the other movies. That was such a big scene. Yeah. But it's also an example of what we're talking about where the song has nothing to do with the movie. Yep. It's just so kind of there. And them using it in that fashion where it's just on the radio is kind of okay for me because it's, yeah. it's placing it in movie. It's, it's giving the movie a realistic feel and also it's not like it's just playing over a scene and has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like <laughs> this song was given to this movie and it's wild that it's Jay-Z's biggest song and it's part of the Rush Hour franchise. And it just it couldn't have less to do with anything they're talking about at all. Yeah, completely agree. <laughs> it's a good song, though. I can't find that quote. I'm really upset. Anyway, <laughs> watch uh, watch Bullworth and you'll see. It. He says it a bunch. <laughs> Rush Hour is good, though. Did you rewatch this at all or no? I didn't, but I've seen it like a million times. So Yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. They're all on HBO Max. Oh, nice. Okay. I probably will yeah. watch it soon. I haven't seen it in a while. Um. All right. Fast forwarding to 2002 uh, for Eight Mile, and another spoiler alert: we're gonna have an episode on uh, biopics. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll talk more in detail about Eight Mile there, but yeah, and I also haven't. And I also haven't watched it. I did. I'll watch it again for next. I've I've seen it, but I'll watch it again for next week. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out November eighth, 2002. It had decent reviews. An enormous opening weekend huge i remember this is when i just started following the box office and everyone was shocked it was the second biggest opening ever for an r-rated film wow enormous yeah and just really showed the star power that eminem had and the idea that if he kept making movies certainly for the the in the short term Mm -hmm. he could have been a huge star i think um People really just want to see him. And what was funny, I was reading an article uh, about the box office and somebody said, you know, and a lot of his fans are kids who can't get into R-rated movies. So looking at the chart that weekend, you'll notice that all of the R-rated movies took a big hit, which makes sense because a big R-rated movie opened. But all the PG, G, and PG-13 movies had really small drops, meaning it's possible some of those 10-year-olds bought tickets to whatever, the Santa Claus 2, Uh. and went to go see 8 Mile. So every every movie benefited from <laughs> from a mile opening. Uh, it was the first. It. it was the first rap song to win best original song of the seventy fifth Academy Awards. I was upset that Eminem didn't go to the Oscars. He didn't care. Yeah, he didn't think he was going to win or something like that, and so he just stayed at home. <laughs> he knew he was going to win. <laughs> That song was pretty much definitely going to win. And as far as legacy goes, it ranks 93 on AFI's 100 best film songs, uh, which they did for AFI's 100 years of existence. They did a bunch of lists. That's where the 100 best American movies, they did uh, all the genres and stuff. Um, Also, uh, I don't think I mentioned this before, Fight the Power was ranked 40th. Oh, okay. And uh, Lose Yourself is ranked... Um, number 93 yeah and lose yourself is arguably one of the best hip-hop songs of all time um i think the internal rhymes the crazy rhyme schemes that eminem employs throughout the entire song it's really just a technical masterpiece uh the way he tells his own story and b rabbit's story at the same time is incredible his delivery is urgent and hungry and that increases with each verse um 
according to Eminem, it's the only song he wrote specifically for the movie. It was an old demo beat that he had produced with Jeff Bass. And when the time came, he recorded each verse for the song in one take. The song was a huge success. It's considered Eminem's best song. It's clearly his signature song. He performed it at the halftime show at the Super Bowl just a couple months ago. He also uh, came back for the 2020 Oscars. So the Oscars yeah. took place in February 2020 and sang it uh, for the first time because they usually perform the songs that are nominated. He wasn't there when he won it, so he didn't. that song wasn't performed. So he surprised everybody and showed up and performed Lose Yourself, which was very interesting. And um, he also won two Grammys for it, including the first ever Grammy for Best Rap Song. And he won Best Rap Solo Performance, which was his third time winning that in the last five times it was given out. It was also nominated for three other Grammys, Song of the Year, the first time a rap song was nominated for that, uh, Record of the Year, and Best Song Written for Visual Media. It didn't win those, though. Um, You know... These songs that are in the soundtrack that uh-huh. like are in the movie, I don't know if they're in the soundtrack. It's an incredible list. It's Shook Ones Part Two, Mob Deep, Juicy by uh, Biggie, Feel Me Flow, Naughty by Nature, Players Ball, Outcast, mm-hmm. Shimmy Shimmy Ya, Older Bastard, Bring the Pain, Method Man, Cream, Wu Tang Clan, Running, The Far Side. I mean, it's incredible. They honestly should have just made a soundtrack of the songs they featured in. I'm sure. Absolutely. I'm sure that would have they would have had to clear a lot of crazy (laughs) shit. But like, if you cleared it for the movie, you could have cleared it for a soundtrack. Because like the actual Eight Mile soundtrack is not great. (laughs) But that list I just was nuts. That's a huge list. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh. But yeah, it's this song. It's inclusion in pop culture presents an incredibly long list of shows and movies. Joe Biden used it as a campaign song. Like this oh song is crazy big. It's one of Eminem's three diamond records, uh, which is means 10 million records or more sold. It's tied for his most successful single with over 13 million records sold. Um, and as you mentioned, it won an Oscar for best original song. So huge. What's the huge other one? Uh, Love the way you lie with Rihanna. <laughs> 13 million records sold of that song. So wild. I don't, I don't even really understand that. I don't think that song is that great. (laughs) I I learned uh, that came out when I was in college. I learned all the words of that song in the code. It was very funny. It was very funny to rap to his line in that song. One of my favorite deliveries of him where he says, um, uh, what's, what's the line before he says it though? He says, uh, Uh, let me see. um, Oh, oh, he's talking. It's, 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 it's the, um, it's, he's talking to as the woman, and himself and and so the woman says i'm leaving you and he goes no, no you ain't. not <laughs> yeah no you ain't <laughs> no you ain't <laughs> funniest line oh my god and it's funny because i was talking about lose yourself i was about to compliment one of my favorite rhyme flows is the end the very last line of the last verse where he says this may be the only opportunity that i got it's like playing a piano it's like so many hits there yeah, it's maybe the only opportunity that I got. Like, it's just very, it's very fun to do. Um, and yeah, it's like it's one of the all time played in a bar. Everyone knows all the words to it. They'll all sing along to it. Yeah. And I love that it's not like used in the movie, like it, you know, like Hustle and Flow, which we'll talk about in a second, where he's not like making that song. It's just a yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 going back to almost fight the power, where it's so ingrained in the themes. You know, 
Men in Black isn't about the themes of Men in Black. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> it's more about it's more about like the movie Men in Black than it is yeah, the themes whereas, of the movie. Yeah. Here are some things that are in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas this is about very central the central themes of the film in such yeah. a cohesive way. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to 2003's Cradle to the Grave. All right, Cradle of the Grave came out February 28th, 2003. It had negative reviews. It opened to number one, but didn't do that well at the box office. I watched this for the first time. This is a piece of shit. <laughs> this is this movie is so I'm so sorry for anyone who likes this movie. Not that I'm like sorry that you like it. I just apologize if I'm about to shit on a movie you really like. I hated this movie. Um, the director had worked with Jet Li before in Romeo Must Die, which also oh, DMX had a small DMX role movie. in. Yeah. Right. But you wouldn't know it because he doesn't want to show Jet Li or DMX say a line on camera. They're always the camera. They always start to say a line. He'll cut away. It's like he doesn't trust them uh. to get a line across correctly, especially Jet Li who looks so bored in this movie and has the first like three fight scenes are against people that don't, can't measure up to him. So he's just very casually like swatting them away. Uh-huh. He's like knocking them down in two moves. It's not frantic. I just, especially after watching rush hour, I was like, Oh yeah. Show the man, do something. Like Jackie Chan. There's always, there, remember there was like that kind of like battle between them. Yes. It's Jackie Chan in a walk. They, and I'm not saying Jet Li doesn't have the skill, but they this movie doesn't trust him to do anything. It's yeah. edited to shit. There's no movement in it. The plot is absolutely insane. It's about these black diamonds that are uranium or plutonium. Uh-huh. And like a sliver of them, like they test it out for arms dealers. And a sliver of them, the guy's measuring the radiation. He's like, this would destroy a tank. This would destroy a city. This would destroy a country. And he looks at it and he just goes, Hiroshima? Two Hiroshimas. Oh, my God. And the arms dealers, by the way, arms dealers, as far as I know, just sell weapons to people. Uh-huh. They are going apeshit over this. When he says two Hiroshimas, they're all like, oh, my God, this is, this is all I've ever dreamed of. Like as if they're the ones who want to destroy the world. <laughs> it's so bad. Anthony Anderson um, – does a thing where he has to pretend he's gay and like, it could just be a two second scene and it goes on for so long. They (laughs) it's the ending fight scene is nuts. This movie is so bad. DMX has no presence on screen. And I don't think he's, I honestly don't even think most of it is his fault. I think the direction is terrible, Mm. but he, he delivers his lines with no cadence, no emotion. It's just blank. And it is just, so painful. The the scene that this song plays in is <laughs> him riding a four-wheel blue, like um off-road vehicle. Uh, like a dirt like bike, but not a dirt bike. Yeah, like an okay. ATV. And it's it, you could tell that when they did this, like this is gonna be the coolest fucking shit you've ever seen. No chase scene has been on one of these, and it's 2003, so they're like, This is this is cool. And it's a police chase. So there's a helicopter. And at the end of the helicopter, the news report says, well, that brings an end to the craziest chase we've ever seen. And I was like, you live in Los Angeles. (laughs) You chased a movie star and a professional athlete for hours. What are you talking? Wow. They're like the nothing beat that (laughs) out of your mind. This movie is so bad. And if anyone wants to get drunk and watch it, I'll do it. But it's really painful. Gabrielle Union has to like strip in front of a guy. It's Uh, so bad, man. It's so bad. 
Anyway, the song's great. <laughs> Love the song. Yeah, the song X Gonna Give It To You. Um, the only single from the soundtrack, DMX wrote this while working on his fifth album, Grand Champ. I guess he decided it fit better for the movie and the soundtrack because it only appeared as a bonus track on any of his other albums. It's his biggest international single, one of his best-selling songs in the U.S., it's been in countless shows and video games. It had a resurgence in popularity, I think maybe 2017 after it was used in Deadpool, uh, going platinum shortly after that movie's release and double platinum shortly after DMX's death. And it's apparently just a part of the Deadpool franchise now because it was also played in Deadpool 2. Um, might be the first song on this list to be used in three different movies as far as we know. I don't know. Oh, probably. <laughs> um but yeah, X going to give it to you from Cradle to the Grave. <laughs> it's it's a great um it's a great song. This is a, a funny thing cuz now now I'm in middle school and I was burning CDs and I I had this on a CD, but it was the edited version. Oh. And and I memorized all of it. <laughs> and so years later when I heard the thing and I would just go, "Wait, he you mean he doesn't say it's not a f- game <laughs> i'm like there, he says fucking there are you serious <laughs> and there's lines throughout where he'll throw in like dog barks or gurs yeah and so that's how i memorized the song oh is to say you know like what the are you gonna do like i'm like that's what it is right that's the lyric <laughs> so it's a very weird song to hear now because that's so yeah. great in me but um <laughs> It's a, it's a great song. It's I think it's like the biggest contrast we have. It's the worst movie on this list. <laughs> With a really, mind. really good song. And it's a really good song. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up, we have 2005's Hustle and Flow. Yes. And also, the first line DMX says in that uh, movie is, X marks the spot. Ah, okay. Which I actually was like, oh, that's fun. And then <laughs> moves that Hustle and Flow came out July 22nd, 2005. It was a low-budget hit. It cost like $2 million, and it made about 23. So the gross isn't huge by normal standards, but compared to a budget, and they also sold it at Sundance for $9 million. So essentially, all the money after that went to the studio. But still, a hit for the budget. Good reviews. It won the Audience Award at Sundance, which is like their best picture. Well, the Grand Jury Prize is their best picture. Okay. The Audience Award is like their... You know, audience award. The audience votes on it. Um, two Oscar nominations, one for Best Actor for Terrence Howard, and It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp became the second rap song to win an Oscar. And I watched that acceptance speech again, and it's terrific. I did as well. John Stewart coming out and going, that's how you win an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or his first line being, I think it's a little easier out here for a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> After that. Um, and like Queen Latifah singing it as she announces yeah, it. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, and I rewatched the movie, which I don't think I've seen since like 2006. It's really I, I good. hadn't seen it in a very long time. It's really good. I liked it a lot. I have a question for you. Why, why were there only two other nominees for Best Original Song that year? Because the song category is garbage. There's a whole thing where like they must not have gotten enough submissions, or I believe the nomination process is you have to have a certain percentage of number one votes. Oh. And so if you don't get – like there are some years where it's like two. There, there's wow. one year where it's two. Damn. Which was 2011, and it's so stupid. And um, like everything should just be five. Best picture, yeah. Makeup is now five. Makeup used to be only three. That's now five. And best song all needs to be five. But um, yeah, I really, I really like this movie a lot. The, the when I watched it this morning, what did you think? 
Yeah, I, I I rewatched this. I hadn't seen it yet since like probably a day de- over a decade ago. Yeah, loved it. Such a great movie. And I have to. I sent you a clip of this of this song. Yeah. So whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. The scene where they create whoop that trick. I was I was literally I was working from home at work and I threw this movie on, and that song or that scene came on and I couldn't take my eyes off the screen and I replayed it like four times in a row before I let the movie keep going. This I had no I this song is so cemented in hip hop culture that I had no idea until watching this movie after it'd been out for a while that this was not a real song. Like I Oh, it, is that true? Yeah. Well like, what what that trick I, I it's just a song that you would just hear. It just became so popular. And it's it's not I don't think it's like an actual real song. Like it's just a song in the movie. <laughs> so anyone who plays it is just taking the, the sound from the movie, you mean? Or, or or maybe somebody like I don't know if somebody not, redid it, but I couldn't find any like is it not on the soundtrack. That's really interesting. Yeah, or if it's it might be just the version that they did in the movie, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, I I like a lot of the versions they did in the movie versus the real songs. Leading, oh, we'll talk about the, that in a second. Yeah, leading we'll into the lead song. Uh, so the song for this movie was "It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp." There are two versions of this song. There's the one performed in the movie, which is Terrence Howard or DJ and Taraji P. Henson doing the hook. And then there's the one that 3-6 Mafia created, which is 3-6 Mafia. And I believe Paula Campbell is the artist yes. that does the hook. Yeah. Personally, I like the one in the movie better. I think it has way more character. Terrence and Taraji had incredible chemistry in the movie and it comes through in the song and the scenes creating it. Um, Needless to say, this song fits the theme, <laughs> some of the themes of the movie. Um, I don't know. I mean, he had it pretty easy. I think it was hard out here for a prostitute. Pimps in general, maybe. <laughs> I yeah, I guess like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting in a car and going to Terran Man. All right, get out there. I'm going to stay here and do nothing, and then you'll give me money. Isn't that fun? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, this – I – I don't think this song is I'm I'm very surprised I was very surprised that this song won the Oscar because if they are considering the song that 36 Mafia made th- this is what I'm confused by I'm like what was nominated I, was it the song in the movie or the song that they well, made I guess it depends because the the songwriters get then the producers get the the Oscar so did they write the lyrics to that, that? They, yeah they were they were credited as as a uh, so then it's score. probably the one it's probably the one in the movie. Oh, okay. But but they just didn't have Terrence uh yeah. rap it at the Oscars. Yeah, he, um, he apparently declined to perform. Uh so they let like, Juicy J and them do it. Which like get over yourself. He, yeah, bro, you know, like get on the stage and perform with Taraji. This is a huge moment. <laughs> yeah, you think Taraji was like, I'll still do it, and three six was like, I don't know. Um <laughs> I, I you know, it's so interesting because like this movie is it's very much a wish fulfillment in a way, uh-huh. you know, where it's like anyone who is downtrodden or down on their luck or not doing what they want to do with their life hopes to, and to have this like magic re- realization and collaboration, realize you're good at it. Yeah. And then he gets t- to the point with Ludacris and they have the conversation and it doesn't go the way that he thinks it's going to go. And then everything happens at the end. I don't want to spoil it. This one, I don't want to spoil because it's really good. Yeah. And watch this the movie, end, the, please. Yeah. And then the <laughs> ending is so beautiful. 
with the, the the two guys and then him taking the yeah. tape. It's so great. But um, what I love about it is that it's it wasn't what he always wanted to do. It's an interesting take on this because he never says like I always want to be a rapper. No, he yeah, never he, misses it at all. Yeah, he has one moment where the guy wants to give him the keyboard for yeah. the crack, for the I don't know what it was, and he says I used to have one of these when I was a kid, but he never. But it's just something that he sees as a way. He sees the guy who was in his neighborhood who got out that way, and he's like, well, maybe I can too. And then it turns out he's really good at it, and yeah. he has like perfect collaborators that he can find and use. Um, and and so I really like that take. It wasn't like destined. It wasn't like it. It you know he'd always wanted to happen for him, and it never did. And so now he's able to do it. It's just like he stumbled upon. I thought that was great. The setting is great. Everything looks so hot. It's very similar to do the yes. Very similar to do the right thing. Uh huh. Every scene, I feel too warm. <laughs> um, they're sweating, and I'm sweating. Yeah. Um. I like how flawed he is. Like when he kicks the, the woman out and the baby, oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a terrible moment that is never resolved. No, like that, that's his child yeah. and it's never resolved. And I'm like, that's a real person though. That thing could happen, but he, he really cares about the, the, the two people that he lives with. Yeah. Taraji's great. The moment, I think what makes this song in the movie is the moment where she hears herself. That is one yeah. of the, most beautiful, pure moments, someone who sees herself as something more than what she's been told she is. Yeah. It's, gore, it's a gore. She plays it so that, delicately. Yeah, the acting on her face is perfect. She's so great in that. Taryn Mann, she's doing whatever Taryn Mann. It's just the same. She does. That's only the only thing she seems to do. And I hope she, I wish she did a little bit more in uh, Orange is New Black eventually. But yeah, um, she was also in Eight Mile. I thought that was funny. She was in two of the movies. That we playing did. the same, the same type of character. Yep. Um, <laughs> Uh, the uh, Anthony Anderson. I read a very disturbing report about something that happened on the set of this movie. You may oh, want to no. look into that. Yeah, I'll look but Anth- the Anthony Anderson and wife dinner scene at the beginning is so funny. Yep. Her just relaying the thing at work, and then there's a moment where she goes, "And do you know what he said?" And he goes, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, tell me." And he's just like eating mindlessly. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Um, it's a really good movie about a time and a place. It's really good. The music's really good that they make. And honestly, the song should have either been Whoop That Trick or the Hustle and Flow song they do at the end is better than uh, Hard Out Here for a Pimp. I really like that last song, that Hustle and Flow song. Yeah. But the thing about Hustle and Flow is that it works so well in the movie, but outside of the movie, it's just a very mediocre song about something we've heard so many other times. Yeah. If this just came out as a regular song without a movie connect to it, we wouldn't have and it would not be on anyone's exactly. radar. It, that it that was my thing. It was like Whereas, they, yes. they could have put this on any one of their three six mafia albums just like as just like a regular song. We'd be like, Oh, that's that's three six mafia, just doing a three six mafia song. We would have moved on. Exactly. But Whereas the movie if- makes the song. <laughs> yeah, whereas if Lose Yourself was just a single without from Eminem without a, a movie behind it or Fight the Power without that movie, huge hit still. Yeah. Still the same impact. This does not have it because it's about something that is so connected to the character, but on its face is something that we've seen just played. Like, I don't need another song about how hard it must be to be a pimp. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and stuff like that. And I also love them saying uh, – Anthony Anderson when he when he's doing whoop whoop that uh, what is it? it's beat that bitch and he yeah, says uh, <laughs> yeah, and he goes he goes I don't know I don't I don't want I don't, I'm worried it's gonna come off as derogatory which is not how you mean it 
And DJ Qualls is like, yeah, I mean, I assume you meant bitches in like just someone who's being a bitch. Like I know a lot of people. I know most of them are men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. It's a, it's a really good movie. And that song is great in the movie and mediocre everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, and so the final movie and song we'll talk about is Black Panther 2018. Now, I, a lot of spoiler alerts. We will also have an episode where we talk about the best soundtracks yes. um, that were connected to movies. And so obviously Black Panther will get a lot of shine there. Um, but seeing as how this movie, all the stars was made specifically for Black Panther, it gets a nod here. All right, so Black Panther came out February 16th, 2018. A colossal, I mean, we all know this, a colossal hit upon release, the second biggest opening for any comic book film, the fifth biggest for any film, period. It became the third biggest film of all time in North America, and the 15 most tickets were sold for this movie than any other, which is a startling statement considering that movies in the fifties and forties had tickets that were nickels and pennies and $2 and a dollar and $5 in the seventies. That's a really big deal. Um, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It was the first comic book superhero film to be nominated for best picture. All the stars was also nominated for original song. It won two of them costume design for Ruthie Carter and original score for Ludwig Gornson. Uh, it's legacy. I mean, I think that, something that obviously it means so, so much to so, so many. It's still the biggest solo superhero film of all time. My apologies to no way home, but you had that (laughs) wizard guy and two other neighborhood friendly people to help you out there. And I think the biggest legacy that really looking back on it is going to be maybe the most important or just the, the most startling is that it is the only, uh, solo black Panther film that we'll have with Chadwick. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think is going to be its, its biggest legacy going forward. But yeah, it was just a monumental film and a great soundtrack and also a great song. I think I had this on my, cause I always make my own Oscars. I think I had this on my list. Oh, I'll take a okay. look. go ahead. And yeah. Um, you know, Kendrick Lamar and TDE were asked by Ryan Coogler, the director to create a soundtrack for the movie. Um, and I thought it was really cool that Coogler, uh, Ludwig Gorenson and Lamar, they all kind of worked together to incorporate and create music that could live in the soundtrack as well as like in the movie itself. Like there are like sounds from the movie that show up just on songs in the soundtrack and like, like they really connected the two together so that they, they were all part of the same, um, vehicle, which is you know, not something, you know, as we've gone down this list of, of soundtracks, like <laughs> not very common with soundtracks nowadays where the soundtrack really is actually like a part of the movie and not just something, you know, attached to it. Um, All the stars was the lead single for the soundtrack. Uh, the lyrics, I think do a good job summarizing some of the themes of the, of the movie uh, something a lot of the songs on that soundtrack do a good job of doing. Scissor's performance was the most compelling for me personally. Um, this song isn't really close to one of my favorites. Um, I think it was a nice Disney level lead single uh, for the soundtrack. It did, however, perform very well, broke the top 10 uh, in the Billboard 200, performed very well overseas, breaking the top 10 in a dozen countries, hitting number one in a handful win a double platinum nominated for a golden globe critics choice award and an Oscar for best original song nominated for four Grammys 
including Song of the Year and Record of the Year, but walked away with no wins. Um, yeah, that's all the yeah, stars you know, in Black I, As far as, you know, you were talking about um, movies and soundtracks that feel like they're kind of a living organism of each other. I think there's not that many of them. I think Purple Rain is one of them. I yeah. would say... Um, uh, Saturday Night Fever is one of them, and then I would also say, uh, "Boy, I just had it in my head, and now it's gone." But there's not a whole <laughs> lot of them, and this is certainly one. I did have this in my personal list of best original songs, as well as "Pray for Me" mm-hmm. from the Black Panther soundtrack, and uh, the, I did not give it the Oscar. It was up against Tough Competition, the film that actually did win, "Shallow" from Star Wars. Uh. I mean, it's real. Real tough. That has, <laughs> I mean, especially because when you consider original song, as we're doing yeah. with our ranking in a second, you have mm-hmm. to consider it in context of the film. Yeah. And that's all about that film. But this is, uh, it's a great song to close the movie for that. Um, and oh, it is, and the like end you credits. Said, yeah. yeah. And it is, like you said, the most radio friendly. There's more deeper stuff going on, but yeah. Um, it does get people to be like, oh, I'll check out this album. That might not necessarily. And uh, it's, uh, it's very, very good. All right. Ready? All right. So we are going to rank our top five. Uh, well, we'll go. We'll go from five to one. Uh, best original hip hop songs written for a movie. I I had originally made this list based off of just like which songs I thought were were the best, and then I went back and I I did like a very rudimentary like rate these songs based off of bet like what songs you think are the greatest and then rate them based off of how they connect to the movie. And then I did an average and then I did the ranking off of that. And then, and like the final list, I was like, I, I, I kind of agree with this. I think this is fine. Oh my <laughs> so God, of, co- of course you did. So we'll, we'll see how this turns out. Uh, do you want to go first? I, with number five? <laughs> I ranked it once. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my, my number five is uh, Men in Black by Will Smith from Men in Black. Okay. Um, I think it's the most listenable of all of them. So she just like, I want to throw something on. And it has an iconic music video, probably the best tie-in music video. I also, we, we haven't talked about it, but um, <laughs> on the Godzilla soundtrack is one of my uh, favorite songs that is not available anywhere. And it's uh, it's uh, Puff Daddy, and it's the Jimmy Page sample. It's Come With Me. Oh, it's on the Godzilla soundtrack? Yeah, and it's it's not available anywhere, but it's great. Um, anyway, yeah, I think Men in Black has – it's got the iconic music video. It's it's fitting with the spirit of the movie, and it's just such a toe-tapper um, yeah. that I got. And I also – I'm giving it as a collection prize for Will for this because he yeah. has so many of these movies, of these songs for movies that work so well. So yeah, I completely your- agree. It was my number five as well. Hey, all right. <laughs> Do you have anything else to expand on it? Uh, no, yeah. I think uh, I, it had to be included in the top five, especially cause since we uh, gave it a Willie – um, for a best original song. That's right. And yeah. when I considered it compared to the, the other four songs I chose, I was like, no, I think this is the right place for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number four is regulate by Warren G and Nate dog. Okay. It would be higher. It's there almost entirely for the quality of the song. Mm. It would be higher if it had anything to do with the movie or played a prominent role in the movie. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't fit in the tone and it, 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 it doesn't feel like, Oh, this is a song 
made it for the movie. It just feels like they picked a good song to end it on. Yeah. So for that reason, it is number four, but um, its quality brings it to all the way up. I I had regulate when I made my first list as my number. It was it was kind of tied uh, for second, and then mm. when I considered like the connection to the movie, it fell out my top five completely. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's actually sitting at number six right now. Yeah, it is. Um, my number four is hard out here for a pimp. Um, I think just how great the creation, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this, the cre- all of the music creation in that movie is incredible. just incredible. So it's just like good. So fun to watch. Um, except for the scene where they say, okay, great. Now leave the house. We're going to make a song. <laughs> like we showed everything else. You showed every other song being made. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I think Terrence Howard's rapping um, was better than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. I think Taraji is great on the hook for this song. And like her, the, the scene where they're creating this song and they're like trying to get her to like get the emotion right. And like Terrence Howard just like comes up to her. I forget yeah. what the words he says, but he's like, I, I, think, he's, he, he, I think he says he, he hits her on like the ass or the leg or something. Uh-huh. And he goes, I think he says like, push it out. Yeah. 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 He was like, push it out. And then, and then she nails it. And I was just like, this is perfect. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, I think the, the other three songs I have listed uh, kind of fit more, more in line with the themes of the movies that they're connected to. So this one landed at number four. You know, it's way down on my list. It's, well, it's not way down. It's number eight of 11. And it's okay. just because it has no replayability factor outside of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that makes because sense. Because the version that's available is the <laughs> shittier one. Yeah. So it's, uh, but it has like an iconic hook in, mm-hmm. in, in, in regard to film and stuff. And um, that, that scene is is really great. And a fantastic, uh, fantastic movie music moment with uh three six winning that oscar in the first place like so fun i wasn't i wasn't even following the oscars when any of this happened and i like caught wind of this because it was such a huge moment (laughs) they also um they just performed which is why they're back. Oh, it happened right after that performance. Yeah, which is why you know they showed the nominees all sitting, and then they showed them in the standing because they walked right off stage. Which like that's always an indication of like, well, they're probably not going to win because like, why would they just have them perform? And now they're tired and they're just standing there. But they did win. I think it was a surprise to whoever like you know organized the show as well. But um, yeah, it's a good moment. Only one one hip hop song has won uh, best original song since then, um, and it was a uh, it was uh, the Selma with uh, or Glory yes. with uh, John Legend in common, right? Which has a tiny bit of hip hop in an R and B song. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> uh, this is kind of hip hop in that common, common is rapping, yeah. but yeah, common yeah. is rapping in a part of it. But other than that, it's very much a slow hip hop song. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. And also, it's one of those songs that like I'm so tired of being nominated. Like they're good, but like that kind of song, mm-hmm. being, like that seems to be the only song that people feel they can make to get recognized. And it's right, like, we right. can do better than like we're still struggling. There's still uh-huh. problems. It's like, I mean, there are other really good hip hop songs that should be nominated and just, yeah. Are yeah. Like, I, I thought that the remix of it got, uh, I got five on it. Should oh have been yeah. In consideration. Yeah. Even though it great. would not, it wouldn't have been eligible, but it made my list because my <laughs> list doesn't have rules. Um, all right. 
My number three is Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio featuring LV from Dangerous Minds. Uh, what a great way to start a movie. If, mm-hmm. You know, that's that, that sample, that Stevie Wonder sample coming over a logo and over credits and they play it again. And like, it really perked me up when I heard it the second time. I was like, Oh great. Yeah. This is, I'm no longer just kind of like this movie has problems. I'm like, Oh, this is fun again. And it's such a great song. And he, yeah. there's a line in it where he goes, I'm 23. And I go, what? <laughs> you sound like you're 45. <laughs> it's such a deep voice for a 23 year old, but it's a, uh, it's one of my favorite nineties uh, hip hop songs. So it's at number three. Completely agree. No, my number three as well. Oh, all right. We're probably gonna have the same one and two then. I, I would I would guess we do. I bet they're in the same order. Let's say number two at the same time. All right, one, one two, two, three, three lose, lose yourself. Lose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It had to be number two because number yes. one had to be number one. But yep. um yeah, it's 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 an all timer not only for film but just for the the genre of music. It was like mm-hmm. it's like the it's the pinnacle of Eminem, but I also think it's the pinnacle of that type of music and even music that would come out that kind of like Detroit, like that kind. You know, I think Fifty Cent would carry that kind of tradition on in his grittier songs, but it is like the pinnacle of like let's sing along yeah to a really great rap song it's just so good and everyone knows it mm-hmm. and that iconic guitar riff to start uh, it is so good yeah yeah it's great and then obviously number one has to be right the power that's right yeah it's 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 a great song by itself and then connected with the movie, it's an even greater song. Like just together, they are just cream of the crop. Like it's perfect. It's the only one on this list where one couldn't exist without the other. Yeah. Like do the right thing is an entirely different movie without that opening scene and fight the power is an entirely different song without the backing and the messaging and the images of do the right thing. They are, the most cohesive where they need either yin and yin and yang. They need each other to survive and be as impactful as they are. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Awesome. What was your last one? The last one on my list. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't, um, when I did my combined ranking, I didn't go all the way through the 11, but my original ranking of the 11, I had, Keep their heads ringing. The Dr. Dre song. Oh, I see. I, I I didn't rank all of the original ones. I just I just ranked these. All right, never mind. Oh, got you, got you. I did. Can I get a? Because it just has no place in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did get a. It did get a one ranking when I considered its place in the movie, which was it's, it, the lowest. It's a great. It's a great song, but the the when you're like, oh yeah, what's that song about? <laughs> you're like, oh, that has nothing to yeah, do that, with that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, that was episode one of Real Rhythm. Um, Next week, we'll be back with uh, the biopic episode. Um, So we're going to be talking about 8 Mile, as we mentioned. Um, Can can I tell them what else we're talking about? Should we keep it a secret? Yeah, yeah. That that way people can watch it if they want. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about 8 Mile. We're going to be talking about Crush Groove. Uh, straight out of Compton, get rich or die trying, notorious, and all eyes on me. That's right. So very excited, um, and I believe we are going to. There's only six movies, so maybe we'll do a top three for that one. 
Sure. That works for me. Cool. Um, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah. What's in the box office? It's a podcast where we, uh, know, and I break down what movies made what money at the box office. You spend your money in a movie theater to see a movie. Well, we'll tell you what that means for that movie, your favorite stars, your favorite franchises. How are they doing now? The pandemic's back. Things are on an up kick. Um, they should put out a better movie than Secrets of Dumbledore, but things are on an uptick. <laughs> and uh, leading into the summer, it's all going to be very exciting. A lot of big movies this year. We're getting the last of our 2020 releases, movies that were made and should have come out in 2020, uh. but have not. That's like Jurassic World and Minions are those. Um, and then we're doing a tournament right now. We do one every year called Multiplex Sadness, where in the past we found the greatest blockbusters of the 2010s, the 2000s and the 90s and we're changing it up and we're looking for the biggest flop of the 21st century all the movies that you didn't want to see that you didn't see we watched them so you don't have to and we're finding out which was the floppiest of them all you're going to be a guest on uh, on it at some point oh yeah very excited and uh right now um we're starting the we're ending the round of 32 and uh starting uh, there's only gonna be 32 left so it's a good time to jump into that awesome um, you already know what's going on over here. Uh, five episodes remain before thinking outside the boombox, uh, plays its last cassette tape. I don't know. I was going for a boombox metaphor there. That didn't work. <laughs> Runs out of batteries. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, five more episodes. We've got, uh, the four remaining in this real rhythm series. And then my wife, Karen will join for the final stop on the farewell tour where she'll bring a topic and we will discuss it. Um, so very excited about that. Um, thinking outside the boombox.com is the website T O T B the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, did you plug your socials? Brian? I mean, it's like wit box office or something. You can just look that up <laughs> on Google. We have a website. We're also, we're, Noah does all this. We're on uh, Spotify, um, Apple podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of thing. It's just called what's in the box office Wit box office is, I believe our Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Um, thank you for joining me. Excited uh, for you to join in the coming weeks yeah. for us to dig deeper into these uh, topics. No pun intended. Yeah. Thank. Thanks for. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for doing this. This is fun. This has been thinking outside the boombox. Your number one source for hip hop and R and B news. Peace.